0: Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell.
1: Contact CordellCordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. into a late edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. What? You're right over there? No, I'm just... Do you hear an echo? Is there an echo? I actually kind of do hear an echo. Yeah, there was an echo. That was 100% my fault. I would say I'm going to cut this out, but it's my birthday and I'm lazy, so I'm probably not going to cut it. No, no, it's good. It's good, Pod, Keep it raw. <laughs> Keep it fresh. Good start. But, um, we just got done watching the King himself dismantle the Nuggets for the last two minutes of the game. The Nuggets lose 113-108 to the Cleveland Cavaliers on an ESPN televised late-night game. Wow. Wow What a game, right. man. What
0: a game. So I got to say, since I started covering – this team and going to games as credential media this is the most fun I've had I guess I should probably be more professional but I'll just say it I love LeBron James and watching him just Eviscerate this team down the stretch was incredible, especially given the fact. Obviously, we we'll, you know we'll get into the specifics, but that Nikola Jokic also had one of his best scoring performances of the year. I'm happy well, you specified that. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. But you know, just from an entertainment perspective, what a game! Uh, that third quarter from Jokic was incredible. Fourth from LeBron was uh, untouchable, uncanny.
1: Yeah, eviscerate is the perfect term because there was nothing left. Nothing. Like it, it was such a dismantling by LeBron. He scored seven he had seven points in like 62 seconds and then to it, finish
0: the game in the final 63 seconds lebron james had seven points on three for three from the field and that's absurd it, it was insane yeah.
1: it was one of those moments where you just watch and there's nothing else you can say except wow the denver nuggets are playing the best player uh, at least right now, that has ever played the game, that is currently still playing.
0: And all I was thinking was, you know, the Nuggets stole one against the Cavs, <laughs> and you think of that possession um, when when Jokic posted up LeBron, that became like a meme, yeah. right? And all I'm thinking is, oh man, this is what happens when LeBron really wants to beat you. Yeah. He he
1: does. And this is one of those things where like, I I have a very strong suspicion LeBron watched that play just to amp himself up that much extra before this game because nothing was stopping him from getting this win. No, It was just a single-handed, just, I am going to end this game right now.
0: No, he took it personally. And when the best player in the world takes things personally, it doesn't go well for you. I mean, those, (laughs) those final few minutes when, you know, Jokic was going off and eventually LeBron said, no, I want him. Yeah. And, you know, Jokic had a great game, but still, yeah, super cool to see. Also, just sort of kind of fun to see that the Nuggets can do that, that Jokic can do that. Like, they're not the Hawks, they're not the Suns. Like, LeBron James had to go, you know what, enough is enough. And, um, you know, it was a good game from Denver, but unfortunately, TJ, we're at the point in the season where moral victories are useless.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty incredible. If we look at the box score, the Nuggets outscored the Cavs in the paint 54 to 44. Check. They outscored them the second chance points 23 to 9. Check. They have more fast break points 15 to 10. Check. They out-rebounded them 35 to 51. Check. Like, did they win? By all of those metrics, this should have been a very easy win. You have Nikola Jokic get 36 points, 12 of 14 from the field, 13 rebounds and 6 assists.
0: Crucial question, I th- it should be on the box score which team uh, did LeBron play for tonight?
1: LeBron James, LeBron everywhere and the Cavaliers won regardless of all of that.
0: There's your key It stat. was
1: incredible. LeBron James finished with 39 points on 15 of 25 shooting to go with 10 assists and 8 rebounds. This
0: is a good. That's tra- stupid. And this is a good transition I think we should do what we like to do. Let's go back to the start of the game. Okay. Um, LeBron James' first quarter was arguably as impressive as his
1: fourth. Yeah, well he had 5 assists in the first 8 minutes of the game.
0: Yeah, so the, the Cavs went small, they started Larry Nance Jr. I guess they they sort of have to, right? with Well, where Tristan at. Thompson
1: is out. is out. I mean, so. Kevin Love is out. What are you supposed to do right. at that point? But you still,
0: got Ante Zizic, technically small, right? And so obviously you're worried about that. The Nuggets don't do well in pick and roll defense uh, at, really ever. <laughs> Breaking news. But you know, Jokic with a with an athletic guy who can occasionally stretch the floor a little bit. Nance isn't exactly a shooter, but he will hit if he's wide open from 13-14 that's just a terrible matchup it's a worse matchup when LeBron James is the ball handler yeah he was a surgeon in the first quarter he it made every insane. correct read on every pick and roll
1: it was like it didn't matter what they were running they could run a 4-5 DHO with LeBron at power forward and Nance at center they could run a high pick and roll with LeBron as the point guard it just didn't matter what they ran nope. what side of the court they ran it on what time they were running at or what personnel they were doing LeBron James exploited this this Nuggets defense every single time on the and court he
0: saw three to four steps ahead it and was, like yeah, every was time J.R. Smith put up a three in the first quarter, LeBron put up three fingers because that was a play he set up with chess moves, you know, four yeah. four actions ago. Yeah. And he just sees the way it's gonna un-
1: unravel. Better than any player alive, right? Absolutely, now. and that ended up with the Nuggets losing the first quarter 38 to 23. They do end up barely winning the second quarter, even though it did not feel that way. And credit to uh Devin Harris, definitely I thought, to court credit to Devin Harris. We've seven seen the points. bench unit
0: really struggle since um we've gotten closer to and the actual return of Millsap. But you know, the bench was pretty good in the first half of the season. Lyles has gone a little colder, um, you know, Barton's sort of a, a taxi guy. It was really good to see the bench sort of have a, a good stint there to start the second. And they had
1: 28 points on it. it wasn't like they were just they just fell off a cliff later on. Like they were at least they were able to keep things above water. Yeah, definitely. And that is something that is very needed for this team. But now let's jump to the third quarter because there's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things that happened in this third quarter. So the Nuggets over the course of the season, for the most part,
0: have been a very very good third quarter team. And they were again tonight. But and they needed to be because these last handful of games they haven't been. That's something I've really noticed. Yeah. You know, good teams typically, especially when in high leverage games. They take over in the third, and the Nuggets took over in the third.
1: Yeah. So, what was the stat line that Nikola Jokic finished with? It was thirteen points, seven, 17, seventeen points, points sorry. six
0: assists, or six rebounds and three assists in the third quarter alone. I think and he, and he had one turnover
1: to go with it. Seven eight from the field. If that was your whole stat line, great game. That was yeah. his third quarter. That was incredible, and they were good defensively. They were turning over the calves. They were for- they were getting out in transition, and really pushing the pace, and that is what opened up everything for them to finally start working. And then to get Nance some rest from halfway through the- through the third quarter the start of the fourth, Ante Zizic tried to defend Nikola Jokic. Yeah, that's not really what you want. And this is what I want to get into now, and we'll get to the fourth quarter because a lot I want to talk about as to why the Nuggets lost this game. But there is a very big difference in talking about. Jokic needs to be more aggressive, and Jokic needs to be the focal point of the offense. Those are two entirely different things, in my opinion. Yes. And I was talking to Andy Bailey of, of FanRag Sports but it was on Twitter tonight, where it's like, yes, he's putting up these great numbers. That is not what makes Nikola Jokic special. The offense was not functioning through Nikola Jokic in the way that you would for when they are at their peak. The ball was going to Jokic, and he was scoring it. I'm never going to try and take that right. away. Twelve for fourteen, and he had a hell of a game, hell of a game, yeah. 12 of 14 from the field for 36 points. 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Great game. The ball was not moving through Jokic to other people and keeping this offense continually in motion to where they are so lethal, to where you don't know who is going to beat I completely
0: beat you. agree. Uh, they Matt became
1: predictable. Agreed.
0: And, and so Jokic last year was the plus minus God. And, and you can look at the assists and the points and the rebounds. They're all impressive. But what mattered was just you look at everyone around him, and you go, oh, wow, they all had a great game because Jokic was out there. And tonight was sort of the inverse effect. Yeah, I mean, was. it's not that other people necessarily had bad games, but it was almost like there was the Nuggets playing basketball and the, and Jokic playing basketball, yeah. and those were two compartmentalized things.
1: Yes, and that's why I think what Michael Malone said in his pregame press conference was so n- nerve-wracking for me. Because in Michael Malone's pregame press conference, he was like, you know, we need to slow it down and run plays. And this is about, hmm... I'd say two weeks after he basically decided that he was not going to call plays In anymore. In fact, he said,
0: I'm going to stop calling plays. He, he told us he thinks they're better when he doesn't. And they were, and now he's calling plays again. Look, we've been defensive of Malone, and... I think, first of all, there's a certain dynamic where, like, when you're a beat writer, your job is to not necessarily react as a fan. So we're not even saying folks are wrong. It's just our job is to take a deep breath and look at this, right? In a macro sense. In a macro sense. And look, the the Malone situation is not black and white. There's a lot of things he's done well. A lot of things he's done well. But this stuff, man, like... He's, he's saying literally two completely different things to us week to week.
1: And I think what changes is Paul Millsap changes. That, mm. That's what this comes down to. And I was listening to the Talk Hoops pod with Zach Harper earlier today, and he said something that really resonated with me. Paul Millsap is a four-time All-Star who you do not play as a four-time All-Star. You don't put him out there and have him materialize points from nothing. That is not what makes him great. No. What makes him great is that he fills in every single gap that your team has for you as effectively as humanly possible. Where and when opportunities to score fall his way he'll do it. Exactly. And he'll be a good post player. He'll be a good post defender. He'll be a good passer. He'll get rebounds. He'll get blocks. He'll get steals. He's a little bit of everything. When you start calling play calls for him as a post-up, that doesn't make any sense. It takes out what makes him so valuable. It takes out what makes Nikola Jokic so valuable. It takes out what this roster construction of elite shooters around these playmakers, it takes you out of that element entirely. And you know what's super confusing to me
0: is, first of all, he's flip-flopping on whether he is or isn't calling plays lately he has been since Millsap's been back then we ask him what's up with the Jokic Millsap dynamic and he says Jokic needs to stop deferring now look some of this is on Jokic yeah absolutely absolutely but you know what confuses me is is Jokic deferring or are you calling plays for Millsap Because I know it's a little bit of both,
1: And I think where this answer lies is that you're just calling plays. Because when you let go, like we saw this with the Nuggets last year, it didn't matter if Gallo was on the court, if Wilson Chino was on the court, or if they were playing with Wancho and Mike Miller at the three and four. When the team ran through Nikola Jokic, regardless of personnel, they were a better team than when you were calling plays, set plays to get certain looks. Adam is on the Locked On pod says this perfectly. When you put Jokic into a set play box, you may get 60 different options you can get off a of play, which is normal. That's an NBA set. There's a lot of different options. It exponentially grows because there's five players doing five different things. When you allow Nikola Jokic to do whatever the hell Nikola Jokic does, you have a limitless Sky's ability limit. to do whatever you and want. That's what's
0: really concerning about how many specifics we're hearing about Jokic's shot selection from alone. And there shouldn't be. Like five to seven. I prefer it be in the 14 to whatever range. Yeah. It's like you know what we shouldn't have is a set idea of how many shots exactly. Jokic should Exactly.
1: Right? You could not have said that more perfect. Yeah. So
0: that's it's look. I I defended Malone and and in a macro and sense, and I will continue to defend yes, Malone for look, a
1: lot of things. And
0: and I'd, I'd love to have a nuanced conversation with anyone who wants to about this. I, I I'm not trying to be hard-headed, at, but there are things he, he that he does not do well that cost this team, and I am starting to get a little. Confused and frustrated with some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's one thing to be told one thing and then have him go change it that, two weeks later. That's what I it mean, is. I mean, it's, it's the it's the it, Nikola Jokic should be a part of the MVP conversation, but now I'm going to bench him to make a point. Which again, Nikola Jokic bounced back in a very big way tonight and scored very very well. So you don't want to fault him for that because we're not head coaches and we're not going to pretend like we know more than these head Hell coaches. No. But we have to look at this from an analytical and a speculatory basis of s- what goes on because of these decisions. And man, I. Can't can't help but wonder is he intentionally
0: misleading us is he flat out lying to us or is, does he not know is he himself confused
1: and i think it i think that's why it changes because of Paul Millsap i think he wasn't calling plays because that's what worked when you didn't have another power forward that was a traditional power forward next to Nikola Jokic because they didn't have one yeah. so it made sense when Mason Plumlee was hurt and when you did not have Paul Millsap in the fold to be like you know what we're going to go back to how we played offense last year now that Paul Millsap is back this is going to be Malone's biggest test for the rest of the year he has to find a way to integrate these two together which has not happened in any way, shape, or form yet, unless you go back to before he was hurt. It has not happened in the five games that he's been back, and it needs to happen now because there's not enough time left. What's concerning is Malone doesn't seem to have a good grasp on
0: this, and then when when you're talking about Jokic and Millsap... These are two quiet, passive dudes, and I don't want to pretend I know what's in their heads, but I have a hard time imagining either one of them is walking up towards the other and just saying explicitly, hey, here's what I think the problem is, here's what needs to
1: happen. Yeah, more realistically, it's Nikola Jokic being like, Paul, you do your thing. right? (laughs) Like That's the more realistic situation here, that's not a good thing. And
0: the painful irony there is, what was Paul telling us his first day back when he spoke to the media? I just plan on staying out of the way. Then and Jokic he does doesn't feel want, that way. He he would do it. This is not a Millsap ego thing. But Jokic doesn't seem to want the ball necessarily. And Malone's calling plays for Millsap. So is it going to take Millsap like, talking to, to, to
1: Malone and Jokic? Maybe. I don't know what it's going to take that needs to happen now. Yeah, there's and not a lot I'm of not time. usually one who's going to be as superlative as that. But it is. I mean, there's, what, 17 games left in the season right now?
0: Look, you, look the, the Nuggets have done a lot right. But oh, when time. you lose the, the, the gimme games like we've talked about, especially that one in Dallas, there's no more room for error. So they, they've run out. They've used, you know, their grace period is...
1: And they've used up all of their losses that are moral victories, whatever yeah, the yeah. hell you want to call no it. No more of those. You're out of, like, you cannot lose to sub 500 teams anymore. And you're You only, cannot lose at home anymore.
0: You're only a young core with lots of potential for so long. Eventually, yeah. here's your opportunity
1: to make the playoffs. You got to go do it.
0: Now, look, they're not done. They're not. They're not out of it. But we need to
1: also show how dire it could be. It, it's
0: it's time now where it's like there's not enough time left to see like okay it's just going to take time like it's going to take time but they don't have any left so mm-hmm. it's getting it's getting there man um another thing I wanted to talk about that I think has gone under discussed uh, from the Dallas game until now there's all this noise understandably so about Jokic Malone Ilisap. you know who hasn't been good you know who was also benched Jamal Murray the, Jamal Murray and I'm not calling him out. I, my point is more of we've seen it's, it's highlighted how important he is to this team. You
1: know what this highlights more to me is the fact that all of a sudden everybody's struggling in more ways. The one common common denominator difference has been the reintegration of Paul Millsap. This is not Paul Millsap's problem. This is not a personnel problem. The team is just fundamentally different now yeah. than that they were before. And that's not to say that they're better without Paul, which just isn't true. isn't true. And it's not to say that they're not going to get better with him. But as of right now, with the way that the Nuggets are trying to integrate him, whether it's front office, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's support coaching staff and player development, it's not working as it is right now and that could change literally as the Lakers game on Friday right. they could figure it out it could snap into place and it'll be a beautiful thing right all it takes is three games of Jokic ball and everyone's happy again. exactly but right? at the same but time the, I, there is one common denominator currently as to why the Nuggets are struggling and I think it's the reintegration of Paul Millstep and the way that Michael Malone has gone about trying to integrate him into the system yeah. because it's not the same system suddenly anymore and that, that is what I think is the crux and the catalyst as to why things are Uneven for this Nuggets team currently. Yeah, and look,
0: the Nuggets team can do a lot right. Like they can have a great game from Jokic. They have slightly better defense. But when they're not getting, like they have two guys on this team who can say, "Okay, things aren't going right. I'm going to get you some points right now." Yeah, here's a spark. Those guys, in my opinion, are Jamal Murray and Will Barton. Yeah, neither of them were very good tonight. No, Will Barton didn't get his first bucket till the fourth quarter. So I I stuck around a little bit after most of the press left, and he was talking tonight. And um, he said, "I didn't make an adjustment." They blitzed every single pick and roll that I tried to run tonight. That's that's
1: what they did last time they played them too.
0: Yeah, and he said, you know, last time they they did it a bit in the second half and it worked a little bit. And he's like, they just did it the whole game this time. And he he said, I didn't adjust. He said he's going to lose some sleep over it tonight. Feels like he left his team down, let his team down rather. Um, yeah, that's like you need like if you're not getting those points from Murray or Barton, like it's it's great thirty six from Jokic on twelve of fourteen shooting, but those can be empty points.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then you start. I, I don't even want to go there. I'm, I'm going to leave it where it is because that just kind of is where this falls is that other people struggled? It took Jokic out of his element and he had become just a scorer and that was ended up being part of the reason why the Denver Nuggets lost tonight. Indeed. So let's talk about the repercussions. Oh, wait, you know what? I want to talk about where this game went away real quick. Just very, sure. very briefly. Hey, whatever.
0: It's your birthday. It's your pod, buddy.
1: It <laughs> doesn't even up. say
0: my name on the artwork. So I, can... I'm,
1: I'm trying with that one. Anilo yeah. <laughs> Piro, I love you, kid, but you have not been on spot for a long yeah, time. My name's um, Brendan.
0: Actually.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, the game, where this game was lost for me was not when LeBron went supernova for the last 30 seconds of the game where this game was lost was about the four minute mark there were two broken plays the Cavs had consecutively in a row and Michael Malone alluded to this in his press in his game presser where there was an offensive rebound after a great defensive possession yep. that got bounced back out to Jeff Green and he hit a three yeah. so there's one broken play three the next time down the court LeBron James loses the his handle on the ball passes it back out and they get a corver three I believe was who it was after that that six point swing off of two good defensive stances that turned into broken play three pointers was what brought the Nuggets from up three to down three very very quickly, yeah. and they and they never got the lead back from then on out.
0: And the Nuggets just aren't a good enough defensive team to allow second chance opportunities. That's right. What this comes they down can to. play. They play good initial defense since Bill Saps come back. The second like, half of this game this, they did, but not the first right. half. I mean, but like the second, it's like oh, there's a live ball, or like okay, you play good defense. And the play got disrupted, but like now this dude's open. and you, like Things just fall apart after like the first 12 to 16 yeah. seconds for them. So it's like they cannot allow teams to have second chances at
1: points because teams are going to score on them all night long as it is. One of the most underrated things about defense is just flat out there's two things that will make you a significantly better team. You don't foul, and you get defensive rebounds.
0: Defensive rebounds.
1: That's literally what it comes down Which to. Which
0: the Nuggets, by the way, I, I didn't realize, are not a great defensive rebound. They're good They used to be. They're they're in the in the aggregate. They're a a very good rebounding team. They're an elite offensive rebounding team. Yeah, they had fourteen tonight. But they actually are in the bottom ten in the NBA in rebounds, uh, defensive rebounds per game, and um, hundred possessions. And these these games in the Millsap return, you've seen that.
1: Yeah. It's like woof
0: like you they've not kept teams off the offensive But last.
1: They can. And when you go back and look at the film and the stats of before Millsap got hurt, the reason that Millsap made every single player such a better defender was the fact that they were the best team defensive rebounding wise, and they were the best team in terms of not fouling. Yeah. And that was just so important. And they were turning people over, which definitely was a nice boost as well. Right. When you don't do that, when you're giving up second chance opportunities and you're putting guys on the free throw line you're not going to have a very good chance to bounce back and win games and be a good defensive. I mean, you're not
0: going to shoot 60% from three like they did the other night. Like, so, and and that's, what's funny is it's sort of the inverse of what the Nuggets were, like you said, to start the season. Oh, they were getting outshot by the other team. Oh, the other team had more assists. But guess what? The Nuggets created more possessions. And now that's sort of, um, you know, that's, that's, sort of oscillating in the other direction now and uh, that pendulum has swung and, and it's it's affecting the Nuggets here down the stretch.
1: And people will look at the box score and be like, oh, but they were tied in terms of free throws tonight. N- Nikola Jokic had 11 by himself of their 18. Yeah. If you even move half of those, which some of those fouls, you could definitely have a different conversation about how legitimate the fouls could have been. That it, you know There's the, a very the, clear difference.
0: The Nuggets don't get a lot of calls. That's not a fan
1: take, by the way. We have data now to back no, that, that up. No, that's very much so, so like Whatever, dude. Go Yoke. read the article on 538 before getting in our mentions. It, I don't want to hear that crap.
0: There's like, a lot of instances where Jokic does what he did tonight where the play seems to have broken down. He thinks he got fouled, so he just chucks it up, and he doesn't get the call. That's also where you see you lose Jokic mentally. Tonight he got those calls. That was kind of nice to see. Yeah, he did. But he earned them, dude. So I'm, I, I don't care about that. The question will nature of those
1: calls all right you want to talk about this playoff outlook as it is right now yeah let's do it dude so the denver nuggets are now the ninth seed in the western conference they lose ground to the clippers who i believe are a half game above them now correct accurate so that means the nuggets are now tied with utah this there's a lot of interesting things that go into this whole the denver nuggets are tied with utah in terms of record so the only reason right now that they are in the ninth seed and not the 10th seed is because they they are two losses up in the division record Where things get scary is how much better Utah has been in the conference. The way tiebreakers work is that at first it's head-to-head. Denver and Utah are two and two head-to-head with no games remaining. So they're going to be tied. So we're going to division, right? That goes to division. They're only so. Utah is six and eight. Denver is six and six. So let's just say hypothetically they tie, which is very feasible, right? Right. Then it goes to conference record. This is where things get nervous. Denver is twenty and twenty one in the Western Conference. Utah is twenty two and sixteen. Twenty two and twenty one is Denver. But yes, yeah. Um. So when you're five losses behind a team, you're not going to catch them in terms of conference right, record. And that, that is a
0: very hard thing to overcome. And that team ahead of them, the Clippers, owns the the tiebreaker hour. Yes. So this is um. What you would call not a good situation? Yeah,
1: treacherous waters where the Nuggets are at right now. You're
0: almost at this point, like more so than hoping for the demise of, of the Clippers and the Jazz. Like you're you're kind of looking at OKC in Minnesota and San Antonio and going, man. I, Fingers crossed they slip.
1: Somebody falls. And that could happen because as of right now, the Pelicans, who have won what, 11 straight? 10 straight? <laughs> 10 straight. 10 straight freaking games. Well, Anthony Davis rolled his ankle tonight, did not return, had it so damn swollen that they're waiting until, until tomorrow to give him an MRI. So we'll see what happens with that. Don't get too excited. Anthony Davis rolls an ankle every Just other Just about week. every game. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> we're taking some temporary in Davis there. Davis left the game tonight. So like, yeah, let's give I it a I want to play a game. I'm going to read off a team to you, and you tell me if you believe that they are as good as they are in terms of their record. Right now, okay. Portland, no. Why?
0: Because the thing about Portland, first of all, of all these teams in the thick of the playoff race, three through ten, Portland's the one that stayed healthy. Yes, and I think that's a huge. I'm not like you can make you excuses. You can the team
1: for being healthy, but, but, but yeah, but, but
0: but no, but the Pelicans lose Boogie, the Spurs lose Kawhi, Minnesota loses um, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Butler, the Nuggets lose Paul Millsap, the, the Thunder lose Andre Roberson after team, the Jazz lose Gobert twice. Like this matters. Yes, so. I do think the Pelicans are sort of the benefit. I mean, the Blazers are beneficiaries of that to a certain extent. I also am on this train, this line of thought that like the numbers bear out that the Blazers are a much improved defensive team. You watch them. They don't look like a great one. Um, It's like they're playing their best basketball right now. And they've been playing that way for 10 games, but like, I don't know, man. I feel like they're due for their slip. Does that make sense? It does.
1: And this is the thing. The reason that they're winning games because their defense has been so good. That is not a team that is a good fundamental defensive team. I don't believe in their defense to stay sustainable for this long. I don't. And Damian Lillard has had to turn into a human inferno for them to win some of these games. And so, like, Lillard
0: will win those... Games. Like, if you just, like, we need Lillard to do it, he'll do it. The question is, you don't like, if that's what you're banking on, you're going to start losing games. And it has yeah. nothing to do with Lillard. It's just that's not a sustainable formula. Like, I agree with that. Um, all right, next team Pelicans. We're
1: going to go in order. I. Like, no, but what they've won 10 in a row. I will not count out Anthony Davis ever again. After what he has done this year, I'm good. I'm going to leave it where it is. The Pelicans will be able to be this good as long as Anthony Davis is healthy and Drew Holiday continues to be just the perfect complement to him.
0: And we're at a point where if you're talking about the five best players in the world and you don't have Davis on your list, okay... But I, but I, you're need, wrong. I need an explanation. <laughs> I need an explanation. I need an explanation. And it's, look, there's so many people you can pick. But like Davis would almost sort of slid into that underrated category for a I while. Can't I, I think, did, but yeah, you're he, right. He kind of did, and he's like, hey, no, by the way, I'm not just like a face of the franchise. I'm like maybe the best player alive. He's, yeah. I don't think he is, but he's in the conversation. So. I don't know. Also, Drew Holiday.
1: What the hell? He's been so good. He's like a max contract player for real. I've been saying forever that that contract won't burn them, and this is why I thought so. I think he's the perfect complement to Anthony Davis. So
0: it's like, I don't know. You look at that roster, are they that good? No. So odds
1: of them falling into the playoffs percentage-wise. And this is is saying that Anthony Davis will be healthy. If Anthony Davis is healthy,
0: I think the Pelicans
1: make it. Yeah, but what are the odds they fall out, though? Because everybody, every single team, three through ten, could not. be man. Sorry, I can't put a number on it. That's why you got. It. That's why I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know, man. Like a,
0: it's going to be a dumb number. Twenty percent. Sh- I yeah. like the
1: Pelicans. I was going to give them fifteen percent. Yeah, 10. so like we're Pel- we're along the same mindset. Yeah.
0: All right, the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, no, they're not. They're not thirty-seven. 30- mean, they're thirty-seven and twenty-seven. Good because they're the Spurs and Greg Popovich yes. and LaMarcus
1: coach. Aldridge is turned into like right. the Portland Trailblazers. With LaMarcus Aldridge.
0: They're actually not a great team against other good teams. Yes. The rest of their schedule is against, for the most part. Other good teams. Very good teams. They choked away that game to the Lakers. They don't have Kawhi. You look at their roster, it's kind of a miracle that their record is what it is. Yeah. Um... I think the Spurs are in real danger of missing the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I believe they play Golden State, Oklahoma City, and then Houston the next three games or something like that. Yeah, they play know. three legitimately talented teams and they're, they are about to potentially fall out of the playoff race very quickly. I agree with you. I think that if all of these teams we're about to talk about, I think the Spurs are the most likely to fall out of the playoffs that are out of the teams that are nine and above right now.
0: Which we should acknowledge as people our age, born in 1993, is an absurd thing to say out Because loud.
1: we've only seen them make the playoffs. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're like,
0: okay, there's a bunch of variables How about let's go with the Spurs? That's the just just
1: death taxes Spurs. But But you know what? They are the most vulnerable. I think.
0: And I didn't pay my taxes last year, so sometimes (laughs) there's exceptions (laughs) to
1: the rules. Incriminating Denver Nuggets silly podcast. Uh (laughs) Uh, The Minnesota Timberwolves. I got a lot of thoughts on the Timberwolves. Dude, this is a
0: fun one. Um, So nine and four in the division, right? They've been great. Thirty-eight and twenty-eight. That
1: was all from the start of the year. Sure was. They lost
0: their last two. Jimmy Butler's not playing basketball right now. Are they and any... once they get back, he's going to be a little rusty. So,
1: um man, I don't are... believe in the Timberwolves. I, I do not believe in the Timberwolves. I... I have been pounding this damn drum since the start of the year. I do not believe in them. So I
0: feel like there's been a group of folks out there, and I, I count myself among them, that have been waiting for the Timberwolves to sort of come back down to earth. Yes, me and How wild would it be if it, if that happens in the final, Well, final they don't have the one season. guy
1: who's been able to drag them out of it, which is Jimmy Butler. Well, that's the
0: thing. And if you watch the Timberwolves play, I mean, I don't know people got stats for everything. Just watch them with your two eyeballs. They're not actually as impressive and offensive <laughs> and a defensive team no, as... No,
1: they're really not. They're really
0: not. They don't do anything special. For the most part, it's like, oh, it's the fourth quarter, Jimmy Buckets.
1: Yep, and that, that's the way I look um, at it, too. Or Carlton Townsend is an incredible game, or Jamal Crawford will hit a couple what? shots, or whatever. I, they do not have three-point shooting of any kind. Oh, no, and with Jimmy Butler, they're a bad defensive team. And when you get down to the later in the season, you have to grind out wins. Like, so... The Nuggets will always make teams scared because they can hit 24 threes on you at any point. You, you're you not going to catch up if you're the Timberwolves and you fall back 15 to anybody. Yeah, that's a good point. You're, you They're just not can't that do it. There's not offensively talented Butler. enough without Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I just don't see it. I don't buy this team. I think the Spurs and the Wolves out of the teams that are currently in the playoffs are most likely to fall out. I, I ju- I although that, I, I think anybody could. I truly do. No, but I, I don't think you're wrong. And it's fascinating to me. I just don't buy the Wolves. Timberwolves.
0: Yeah man, because
1: they were a 30-1 win team last year. They've won a ton of close games this year and now they're without their best veteran player in Jimmy Butler that was supposed to save everything. And
0: you're like, "Okay, down the stretch, right?
1: Who's more worn out than the Timberwolves
0: players who are uh, the, yeah, right? Now, even if they make the playoffs and this is something we've talked about all year. Like that's not you can't feel too confident right. Now. Like they're yeah. going to get gassed. And yeah. so it it could be before the playoffs happen. They could slide out.
1: What about Oklahoma City? Oh man. It's a tough one. This no. is a real... I mean, Paul George has not been himself all of a sudden. No. Russell Westbrook is probably pissing off everybody in the locker room. Carmelo Anthony's bad. Melo is like... He is not the same dude he was about two weeks ago. Stephen Adams is still the superhuman, like, teammate of all time. But losing Andre Roberson hurt so much. This
0: is a fascinating, fascinating question. Like... As you head into the playoffs,
1: how much better or worse does Roberson make you? Let's just change the conversation. How scared would you be to play them in a playoff series? The Thunder? Compared to the rest of the teams we are talking about. Not. Really? Yeah. Not. Because Russell Westbrook can single handedly win games. Like they have a player, they have two players who can single handedly decide games on their own when they see fit.
0: Sure. They also have. Players who can like Westbrook can lose games. That's true.
1: I mean, it's a good point.
0: Is, for, the, for all of like for all of the talent, they're thirty seven and they're twenty nine. They've lost their last two. They're in seventh place.
1: They're not I playing mean, well right now. No, and and there are legit holes in that team. I'm not arguing any of that. Because he, here's the but thing, they have man, actual superstar talent that can help them.
0: Here's the thing with Roberson in there. I know he's such an offensive liability. But with he's Roberson in there, they're in look. my opinion, probably the best defensive team in the NBA. I don't know
1: why, too. I think that without Andre Roberson, you can't allow Paul George to be this rover chaos on defense. Well, that's
0: the thing, too. Like you're watching that Rockets game and you're thinking, like, okay, Paul George is turning in this phenomenal defensive effort. What does he have left on the other end? Because he's guarding Harden. And that's where you're like, all right, Roberson can't shoot. He can guard James Harden. There's a short list of people who can do that. And that allows George to have a little more energy on the offensive end, but also he can guard player, you know, one B and it's just, I think it's worth it to be a potentially in theory, worst team on offense to have that defensive ceiling because they have guys like what it's like Oklahoma city's, offense isn't a result of, like, Chris Ball movement. Yeah, like exactly. Westbrook and Paul George are taking over. Yes. So what? What you? the formula there is be as good as you can defensively and just hope your superstars carry you.
1: Which was what their formula was, and it was working very well. But now well. they don't
0: have Roberson. I think that's worrisome, man. I mean, like, we could go through every single one of these teams and be like, they could miss the playoffs. Oh, well, there's gaps
1: in now, all these teams. Yeah. But at the same time, they're all so damn good. And even this Clippers team that I want to talk about next, I think that they're legitimately dangerous when they're healthy. Which is ironic. And that's why I, I was like, just even gonna say... Even without Gallinari.
0: I was just going to say, like the, the irony here is I think the three teams I, I, in the playoff picture right now that I'm the most worried about are the three
1: most talented teams, the yeah. Spurs, the Wolves, and the Thunder. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? It's, it is it is because it's it shows how wild this Western Conference is because the Clippers, even after trading Blake Griffin, are likely a more dangerous team now than they were when they so had Blake Griffin. I wanted to ask you, like... Are the Clippers a good team? I think they are. You do? I, I just think that they're patchwork together and they're so thin that if you have one guy get hurt or you have one other injury or someone doesn't show up, it all crumbles. But when you put them at their optimized level with what they have right now, they can contend with any of those teams for three through 10. You know what they do and they're doing down the stretch? They play their asses off. They do. They play with a sense Tobias of urgency. Tobias Harris, I, I, when, they, when I saw that they got Tobias Harris for Blake Griffin as part of mm. that deal, I was like, shit. Like, this team is going to be good because they have point guards who are at least serviceable enough to run high pick and rolls and get the bigs. They have enough shooters on the wing now. Austin Rivers is turned into a legitimate NBA player. The greatest basketball and player of all time so in Boban. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Um, And then you have Tobias Harris, who does everything for you. Also, I'm a big Montrezl Harrell guy. Yeah, he's um, he's Farid who tries hard on defense. <laughs> I'm not really sure if I'm like going to get that. too excited about him yet. No, but he's helping this no, team. He does help and, like, this you team. look at
0: these, these comebacks that they've put together and it's like, it's not like all of a sudden they're just playing better basketball. They're just Busting their asses on yeah. and creating
1: fast break opportunities and hustle rebounds. Um one last team. Okay. The Utah Jazz. I'm out, sold, done. I don't I don't I don't see it. You don't see them making the playoffs. No. Utah Jazz. And this and is uh, the only way I see them making the playoffs is of Denver and the Clippers and Utah basically all tie. <laughs> like, and like, you you need something weird like that to happen because this is the thing. Ricky Rubio is shooting over 50% off the bounce shots right now. Ricky Rubio cannot shoot off the bounce. That doesn't happen. That is unsustainable at the highest degree know, in my opinion.
0: They're 8-2 in their last 10. does Doesn't matter. in a row. It
1: doesn't. I I don't buy it. They're going to start losing. They're a young team. Rudy Gobert is not going to be an offensive powerhouse every single day night like donovan mitchell's a rookie Like, i'm not going to expect of him like he could be this good the rest of the year i'm not saying he can't right. i'm not going to expect a rookie lead guard to be able to continue this level of productivity at this point in the season because no rookie really does that's a rare thing and Ricky rubio is not going to be able to keep shooting like this and that the spacing goes away donovan mitchell's first step goes away which means rudy gobert doesn't get the space he has and things have to collapse Dude, maybe, themselves very quickly maybe, or maybe they do maybe
0: it's so like here's what i'm saying like doing this on the spot is fun but i like it's so hard like unless we're gonna go full matt more mad scientist and like let's look at each of these teams their remaining schedule like and then of that remaining schedule which of those teams are resting players on back-to-backs like i don't know man it's just too chaos so many variables but the point is you actually really can't rule any of these teams in or out definitively i mean the jazz of the group were like of the bo- of five through ten no one's playing better than the jazz and yeah. so, I don't know. Is it sustainable? They,
1: I mean, Mitchell's been doing it all year, so. It's hard to argue it. But at the same time, it, there are some rules in the NBA that usually apply, and rookie lead guards don't produce this level forever. It just doesn't happen. But at the same time, this is a ridiculous rookie class, so hey, I am not going to rule it out. All
0: right, so let me ask you about a team, the Denver Nuggets.
1: I think they make it. I'm still firmly in that boat. I do think that the Nuggets have enough talent, and when you look at their schedule, yes, it's a lot of road games, but it's against beatable teams. What scares me, while the road trip, of course, that's going to be what make or breaks this team because it comes first, but let's just say hypothetically they make it through that road trip and they're still on a spot to make the playoffs. What makes me most nervous is that last stretch where five of the last seven are against division opponents, and the other two are the Pacers and the Bucks. I think. So Like you're playing tough teams after a long road trip in games that direly matter in terms of tiebreakers. Those, those are playoff games. Don't, oh yeah, those are playoff games. No, from from the start of that seven-game road trip through the rest of the year, every single game is essentially a playoff game.
0: And you look at these teams, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna list off. I think Pelicans, the Thunder, the Clippers, and the Nuggets any of those teams miss the playoffs, there are potentially drastic consequences.
1: Oh yeah, there's going to be a lot of shakeup this offseason. Yeah. I have a strong suspicion. I, I It's going to be fun. That's all, that's all I know. Right now, seats 3 through 10 are only separated by 4 games, and I believe 3 losses. 3 or 4 losses.
0: It's 4 losses. It's still 26 losses the for the Jesus damn Blazers.
1: God. It's so close still. Even though teams are losing and winning and things are still chaotic, it is really, really close. It's fun, man. It's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy month of basketball. The Rockets at 117 in a row. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> All,
0: right, you All got right, anything
1: else? No, I'm. I, I don't want a beer before I, I the get bars close, considering yeah. it's 130. And we're not probably actually not going to make it. No. But. We this, can try. We can try. All right, let's get out of here. This dude. is the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting and being around.
0: Happy birthday, TJ! Oh
1: God, no, I'm good on this. Right. Um, but we will be back. Maybe we'll do something tomorrow. Maybe we can look I mean, at all of the I gotta, teams. I got it. I just want to
0: say I've been waiting to let this one rip. You kind of boxed yourself in when you named this sucker the Denver Nuggets Daily. Yeah, I failed on I'm that one. I'm feeling a little obligated. We should. We got to get the pod going. Let's, let's again. pod tomorrow. Let's pod tomorrow. And we'll pod
1: after the game on Hell Friday yeah. as well. We'll, we'll, well. Let's look at the future schedules for all the teams. Dude, I was so that
0: I got nothing better to do. Cool. Man.
1: Well there you go. Now we know we're gonna talk about tomorrow live time on the podcast. <laughs> check and check. Thank you guys so much for following along. We'll be back tomorrow. Damn, I wish I wasn't such a wimp. Cause then I would let you know that I love you so when if I was your man, then I would beat you. The only lion I would do is send the bed with you. Gonna sign to the one who loves you dearly. Cause has love me tender, but the letter came back three days later. We turned to Cinder. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. We're bringing you savings of up to $400 on our top-rated mattresses, like a Beautyrest Greenwood Queen mattress, now just four ninety-nine. dollars Explore our selections at MattressFirm.com and visit your nearest store to experience the bed of your dreams before you buy. We've got the best beds. And with savings of up to $400, you know it's the best price, too. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit MattressFirm.com. Hey, sports fans, football season is here and the time has come for you and your friends to have some fun. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, basketball, college, and all your favorite sports events. You can take a side, total, or try their in-game live action. Go to MyBookie.net to open an account and use promo code CHAMPION to be entered into our amazing prize pool. That's MyBookie.net promo code CHAMPION. Get in on the action today. No deposit is necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.